Hi, I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the acquisitions editor for CNT Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at CNT. Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. This is Roxanne Serta with Behind the Scenes, and today I'm lucky enough to talk with Amanda Haas. Uh, She's a cosplayer, a seamstress, author, and unapologetic fangirl. By day, she creates custom wigs for stage, screen, and personal use, and by night, spends most of her free time creating cosplays. She attends cosplay competitions nationwide as both a competitor and a judge, and has placed in and won many cosplay competitions. She's been featured on the cover of Cosplay Culture Magazine and Kohaku with appearances in Star Wars Insider Magazine. And she's graced the websites of Nerdist, D23, Sci-Fi, and Marvel.com. So Amanda, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Well, and you know, because a lot of the people who listen to this um, might be new to cosplay, and it's a topic that's new for behind the scenes. So for those of you who've never heard of cosplay and think it might not be for you, give this a listen before you make up your mind. Um, It's truly both fascinating and fun. Um, And for those of you who already do cosplay, just hang in there while we get everybody up to speed. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it's it's different. It's new, but I, I like to tell everybody that, you know, it just just hang in there. Let me explain it. We're all just not adult. I mean, we are adults all wearing costumes, but it you know, it's more than that. It's more than that. Well, it's it's totally the fun of Halloween all year long. But to get the ball rolling, can you can you explain a bit about what cosplay is? Sure, exactly. So cosplay, the word specifically, is a a combination of the words costuming and role-playing from cosplay has been around for a long time but it's I would say definitely within the past 20 to 10 years it's really gotten huge but it is basically people of all ages that make costumes on days other than Halloween and wear them to conventions or just take pictures of them and do whatever they want with them but it is it's more or less you are diving into a character for whatever reason you want and creating a costume around that, whether it's screen accurate, your own design, or just anything you want. Even um, You can even just buy a costume from, you know, like Spirit Halloween or anything and just wear it. But still, that is cosplay. So that's mostly a very TLDR uh, short, short term of what cosplay <laughs> is, if that makes sense. <laughs> it does, totally. Okay. And um, so... You are a very visible cosplayer. Um, I've seen your work all over the place. And so can you share just a little bit about the different cosplays you've done and which ones people might recognize? Absolutely. With cosplay, there are a million genres in our community that people cosplay from. And when I say genres, I, I say pop culture. That can be anything from television, film. It can be anime. It can be video games. It can be literature. It can be real life even, which is a whole different sector. Mostly, I am known for doing costumes from t- t- television and film, a little bit of video game, but mostly television and film because that's where my love for costuming lies. I love costumes that I see on the screen. And so most people know me as my name suggests for Star Wars. Um, I grew up loving Star Wars. And one of the reasons I cosplay is my, the way I show my love for a fandom is to recreate what I've seen. I'm not a toy buyer. I'm not a comic book collector, but I am sure going to make that outfit that Queen Amidala is wearing on the screen. So I'm mostly known for Star Wars and as of recent, especially with Marvel, uh, the MCU and Disney buying Marvel, some of my Marvel cosplays is like Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel. That's happens to be on the front of my book. But <laughs> I'm mostly known for those two. I have some other some other here and there, Disney and like I call them nostalgia based ones from from old older films and older costumes that I do but mostly Star Wars and Dis- and uh, Marvel is kind of where I lie yeah definitely I'm, I'm trying to think my most Star Wars would definitely be most people would know me for either being Ahsoka Tano 
Queen Amidala, or very recently, Baby Yoda, which has been really fun <laughs> from The Mandalorian, yes. Yeah, that was really cute. And, you know, and what, what I think is really interesting to me is that your costumes, at least the ones I've seen, and I feel like I've probably flipped through your library, you've done everything from, like, Mary Poppins Mm-hmm. through like Mortal Kombat and that's, that's a, it's a huge range it, it is well what's that spark that when you see mm-hmm. something or you decide you're going to make you know your next costume what is it that makes you say well I want to make that one okay so my the reason I cosplay the characters that I do is because I fall in love with those characters I typically make characters that are female um representing in in the in the media that they are they are badass. <laughs> they are strong and very vibrant women. And that is what draws me. So pretty much all of my characters, I would put Dr. Strange aside because that's a gender bend. We can talk about that later. But most of the characters that I cosplay, there is a love for that character for me personally that makes me strong and makes me feel really good becoming that character. So that is what draws me I have other friends that they love to create characters from the aesthetic and the look of it. They might not like the character, but they love the way, like, for example, Loki Loki looks. They love the combination of green and gold and black, and they want to make cosplay from that. Me, on the other hand, I have to love the character. Or I'm just going to give up halfway through the, the build because I'm just, I don't feel it. Like, I'm not there with the character. So I just, I fall in love with these very strong female butt kicking ladies and I have to cosplay. You know, it's funny because I wouldn't have guessed, but you're right. That is something that really is common across the whole thing, even though on the face of it, those characters are very different. Yeah. Um, they are. Mary Poppins and and Katana from Mortal Kombat are very different. However, very similar. Very strong female leads in their own respective medias. <laughs> That, that's true. And well, so say you've got somebody who has never tried it, but they think they might want to give cosplay a try or maybe they even just want to make like that epic Halloween costume from scratch. Like where, Mm -hmm. where do they start? Well, it kind of, (laughs) you, you start with choosing your character and how you want to make it. I tell everybody to just make a Pinterest board or YouTube playlists of tutorials they find online. It it kind of, it starts differently from anybody because you, if you have never sewn before and you want to make Mary Poppins for Halloween, you know, I'm going to suggest you sit down, (laughs) let's have a chat. (laughs) First, you probably want to learn how to sew first because that's a very heavy build. That's a very intense costume with a lot of lace and different types of fabrics. I will usually tell somebody to start small first even if it has nothing to do with your costume, give yourself some time to get used to the materials that you're using and then move into your costume. And that involves all sorts of research and just getting into the character and, and, and realizing if you want to sink this amount of money into it. But I tell everybody to start small first if you've never made something. Other than that, if you've made something, man, you just dive into it. You go, you pick a thing that, and in my opinion, when I look at a cosplay, there is always something that stands out with a character that I'll make first. And if I can nail that first thing, everything else is a downslope. And so if you're making um, like Doctor Strange, for example, in my opinion, his cloak is the, is the thing that makes him or one of the aspects of his outfits. And so if you can conquer that hill first, everything else is downhill. So that's kind of how I tell someone to start a cosplay is work small, conquer your big thing first. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You know, and thinking back to the costumes I've made, which admittedly are mostly for my daughter, mm-hmm. it's true. You do. You pick that one thing that the first thing you look at, and then you kind of yeah. go down from there. Yeah, you um, want to nail that first. And it, well, it also gives you confidence to keep going throughout your build. And so if you like make a pair of pants first and really have anything, you might lose a little steam before you get up to that epic, you know, sword or or wig or something like that. So I always suggest starting with the thing that drew you to the character first make it first get the confidence and then roll with it well so what and and I know I'm sure you've known a lot of people who are new to cosplay and in your experience what do you think the trickiest part is for those people like what's really most likely to trip somebody up Mm -hmm. when they first kind of start well 
we'll just put finances aside <laughs> because that is one thing that does trip up a lot of people, but that's something that, you know, it, you got to overcome, but <laughs> that's, you know, that's money. But I would say motivation. Um, a lot of people get so gung-ho on a character because that character is really fresh in the media or that's something they've wanted to do for a very, very long time. And they start getting into making it for them and they're not, either they're not comfortable with the material or something's not fitting right. Or it's just, it's just that lack of motivation, which is kind of harpens back to why I say, make the thing you love first, whether it's, you know, like it's Gandalf's staff, you know, staff or something like make that thing feel good about it and then keep moving forward. And it's especially now with the world, the state of the world that we're in, motivation is very difficult to come by. And so <laughs> um, telling people to just kind of like get that first big one out of the way we'll give you the motivation to keep going. But that I would say, at least that actually, that happens to me often with my builds is that I will, I'll lose the motivation and therefore I will stop making it or move on to something else or something like that. So that trips me up and I know that trips a lot of other people up. Well, that was actually going to be my follow-up question and you might've actually mm -hmm. just answered it. So for people who are more experienced cosplayers, is that where you see them getting hung up too? Or is it kind of a different thing that ends up tripping up people who have done this before, but they're getting, you know, they, they stall. Yeah, I would say that's definitely, especially with the more experienced cosplayers, that's something we, we <clears throat> definitely run into. I, I call myself a hype cosplayer, and it sounds very strange, but I am very much a person that will, oh, I'll be working on something, but something will pop on social media, or like a new trailer drops for like a movie or something like that, and all of a sudden I throw everything off of my table and I work on that. You know, I, I, I definitely, I follow the trends because I just, that's just how I go. Um, for example, I was working on my Queen Amidala cosplay for Star Wars Celebration, and it was her black outfit with the feathers. I call it her decoy dress or her travel gown or whatever. But during the middle of that, <laughs> the trailer for Captain Marvel came out and I was like, whoa, well, <laughs> I've got to make this now. And so I had to put that all like literally away and just go out and buy all new fabric and, and make this outfit because I was determined to make it and determined to make it quick because I wanted it for the convention turning around because a part of our, a part of our game is social media. And if you want to, you know, move forward onto any kind of numbers game or, or career or anything like that, getting out hot costumes is, is kind of what I like to do. And so that's what I wanted to do. And so I was like, I got to make Captain Marvel quick so I can wear <laughs> before the premiere and do all this stuff before. And it, it worked out for me personally. I got a lot of really, really cool gigs from that, you know, but that was just me and how I, that's how I function. It's unhealthy probably. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I that that's one movie and one character that I can see kind of stopping the presses for. Um, do you ever go back and pick up those costumes though that you've kind of put to the side? I do, I do, I de I definitely went back to Queen of Madala and finished her, and became that was one of my favorite costumes I wore at a Star Wars celebration that year. And so I definitely went back to her, and like I had I had the confidence to to finish that outfit. I knew what I was doing. But Captain Marvel, I never made anything like that up to that point. And so it was a whole bunch of hurdles I had to cross. And so once I got Captain Marvel done and loved it, I was like, I can do anything. <laughs> I can do anything. And so I went back and finished Queen of Madala. And I was just like, oh, this is perfect. But now to, to answer your question, there definitely are some cosplays that are not finished and have been are going now on year two, year three. That I don't, I don't know if I'll finish. <laughs> Well, and it's no, so it's no small thing to either stop what you're doing and pick up a new one or abandon mm -hmm. one partway through because those, you know, as I've, you told me, they're called, you call them builds. Mm -hmm. They're time intensive. Like so how funny. long do you typically spend on one of those? I used to spend a lot more time on them. Just like, just thinking about it now that I'm just kind of looking at time and then my, my build that's taken the longest it was my Queen Amidala Senate gown, which is, if you're familiar with that from the movie, it's the one, she has like a giant letter M on her, on her forehead and she has a lot, she's draped in like velvet red and, and oranges and gold. That took nine months. <laughs> it was a wow. literal child. Yeah, it's because I had to redo the headpiece twice and there was a lot of math and engineering that I had to figure out with that. 
And then the rest of it was just a lot of hand work and hand beating. So that one took nine months. And I think the one, the next second place goes to Anastasia, which took six. But that was just because of the sheer amount of stuff I put into that. And I haven't made a cosplay that has taken me anywhere close to that amount of time in a while. And so for the past couple of ones, they've taken me typically about a month to two months. If you're like looking at it on the whole. Gotcha. Well, and you, so for anybody who's listening and, and isn't already familiar with those costumes, we'll put a link to your website in to the description. And so you really have to go out and look at those two. They're phenomenal. So one thing that I've noticed in those two costumes in particular, it's funny that you just mentioned those because I've noticed that sometimes like with the Queen Amidala Senate dress, you're really a stickler for authenticity and accuracy. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you take a costume and you put your own spin on it, which you did with the other one and the Anastasia one. And so why do you think it is that you, you do to have two totally different mindsets sometimes? I have very strong feelings about design. <laughs> and I, um, when it comes to costuming, like I have to really, really, really freaking love the design to make it. Or I will look at the design and I'm like, ooh, I can make that so much better. <laughs> and that's how I felt about Anastasia. I wanted a princess, but I didn't want a Disney princess. But I wanted a, I wanted a gown to make me feel pretty. And, but I, I wanted something to be more original. And I remember watching Anastasia and being like, I love her looks, but they are just like, the color concepts are terrible. I hated that final gown. I thought it looked so... 1997 like it was just ugh. it was like yellow and pink and it was just no not for me and so I was like that would be a really good canvas to build upon and so from that is where I got the idea to do and I I wouldn't call it 100% original design I call it just like a retooling design so I changed up the tones of her dress instead of yellow I made them gold instead of pink I made them more mauve and just a deeper hue of of pink and and reds and just added so many so many more embellishments to that thing but you can still look at it and see it's Anastasia because I wanted that recognition when I'm on the floor you know doing original designs is fun and everything but an aspect of cosplay is being able to be recognized the more we move into cosplay the more that's being stretched because of just the general amount of media that's out there I do not know half of the animes <laughs> costumes that I see like still have no idea you look great but I have no idea what you are and so to me personally I want somebody to be like that's Anastasia but different and so that's what drew me to redo that and make that gown the way I did well, it's, you don't just participate in the costume contests at cons. Sometimes you're also a judge. Well, no, you're not a judge and mm -hmm. a participant at the same time. Right. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> yes, yes, correct. That can't do that at the same time. That would be a conflict of interest. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. Well, but so ha when you are judging, how do you juggle that difference between authenticity and somebody putting their own spin on a costume? Like, is that mm -hmm. difficult? It is difficult because as a judge, I look for the amount of techniques that you're using in your outfit. You can make something 100% screen accurate and it still is amazing and well sewn or well made or well built. However, if I'm comparing you to someone who created their designs, created their patterns from scratch and made something completely original, I might give you a lot more points because of the more skill set that you added into the build. And that is a very recent like within the past five years, judging change before more people started doing original designs and original take on characters, screen accuracy was what was the highest level you could judge to. But especially, and this is interesting, USA in, uh, and Canada convention, cosplay conventions allow original designs, not in Europe. So Europe and a lot of Eastern um, country cosplay contests, they do not allow originals because they want 100% screen accurate. And so it's been, it's been interesting to talk with fans and people that I know from around the world being like, oh, you could enter that then? Well, I couldn't enter that in my contest because it's an original design. So it's very new and it's kind of controversial, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely something that I look for as a judge just because I want to see 
all of the stuff that you pour into your build besides just the fact that you're able to recreate it screen accurate. I'm wondering too, if part of that is because cosplay is becoming more and more popular, there are mm -hmm. a lot more products out there to work with. And so you might be doing sewing and makeup and mm -hmm. playing, you know, making a wig and coming up with props. And there seems to be maybe a little more to it now than there would have been a while ago. There is so much more to it. And one of the aspects uh, with my Anastasia gown, because I've been doing or competitions for a long time, I know going into these competitions, they are looking for not just sewing. They're looking for electric, even though I'm in, even though I'm in the needlework category, even though I'm in the sewing based category, I'm still going to get bonus points for adding lights to my crown or saying that I completely digitized this embroidery pattern. You know, I made this pattern. I didn't just sew bees on a thing. Like I actually created it and digitized it, pushed it through a machine. Or another one of the aspects is I made my wig that I used for Anastasia. And so that's another aspect of needlework. And so it's, it's definitely getting more and more convoluted because when you divide yourself into genre or like genre-based categories like needlework and prop versus master, journeyman, and novice, you're judging people that might be going into all of these categories. And ultimately, it's the cosplays that are using mostly all of those categories that are winning these big prizes. Well, and so what's the, when you're sitting behind the table and you're judging the costumes um, that people are, have put blood, sweat, tears, and a lot of their money into, like, yeah, what's the <laughs> hardest part of that? Like, it, you know. it's really, well, time, time is always the hardest part because you don't, we don't get enough time with the contestants and that's, that's not our fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's just the time of the convention because we have to do all of this at a certain time block of the day and we have X amount of cost uh, contestants to go through. And so it, it's time is the hardest part because I want to give people who have spent like a year or two on this electronic walking crazy thing more than just five minutes of me prejudging them. And so that, that hurts as a judge. I don't like that, but I can't fight that. So I have to get in. And that's why there's multiple judges in a, in a, in a um, cosplay competition, because we'll kind of divide ourselves up and be like, okay, well, I'm going to look at the sewing. You look at the electronics and you look at the phone work, and then we'll kind of reconvene and talk about it. And so that helps, <laughs> that helps, but just not being able to give them enough time to explain or what's really heartbreaking is they get in and they forget what to tell us what they did because prejudging is how you, we determine who wins. You know, I need to know what you did and being able to slam six months of work into a, a five minute talking point with also us asking you questions is very intimidating <laughs> and very scary. I would imagine, I would imagine it, because that's always the moment that you kind of jam up right? It is. Oh, I do. I do as a contestant. I do as a judge. And like, I've done so many of these and I don't care who you are. Anybody will always, you'll always jam up or you'll get out of there going, I forgot that I told him I did this. And you just want to stick your head back in and be like, I also did this, but you can't. And so you just have to roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true. So, and so speaking of a contestant, so somebody who's been in front of the judges quite a few times mm -hmm. and, and successfully as well, what would you tell somebody who's maybe already doing cosplay but hasn't yet entered a contest but maybe mm -hmm. kind of wants to? Yeah, you first need to need to check check yourself <laughs> because it is a it's an emotional roller coaster and a lot of people really just can't handle that and that's totally okay. You know, going in and being in front of somebody explaining your work and how you did this and having rapid fire questions asked to you is is difficult. And then also you have to turn around and get on a stage in front of thousands of people and sometimes tens of thousands of people and walk across and not fall. So it's it's a lot. You have to ask yourself if you can mentally get over these things and physically. Sometimes your costume is not meant for those stairs on the stage. <laughs> so <laughs> that's been a problem but you kind of have to just check yourself on that and if you want to do that and you are not the person who's going in it just for the prize you know you go in it for the fun because not everybody wins <laughs> and it's it'll be okay if you don't win we go in for the fun and for the chance to show off something that you made in front of thousands of people that's the most exciting part to be honest so <laughs> it's a mental game you just have to be prepared for it well, and kind of turning that on its head and mm -hmm. speaking as the judge this time, mm -hmm. 
for those people who are already, already out there and maybe they've done some competitions, but maybe haven't won yet, mm -hmm. what tips would you offer? Like to kind of get um, them over into that next level. Sure. Don't stop entering. Like even though you have never placed with this costume, you can still keep entering that costume in other conventions and other places because there's always different judges. There's always different audience members and there's always different ways to win. It's weird to say that, but there are some conventions out there that the audience chooses the winner. You know, there's our, there's conventions out there that are made for us judging your props over what you're wearing, or we're looking at your stage presence. There's something called a masquerade, which is different than a typical cosplay contest because masquerades involve skits. And so if you're really passionate to express in a skit form, <laughs> sometimes lip syncing, it's dance, it's, it's, you know, a monologue, you can, you can totally do that and not have the best craftsmanship costume, but you can still nail and probably win something with a masquerade. And so it, it's all over. And so I just tell people to please keep entering, change up what you're entering. So maybe you've only had sewing costumes and there's not been, you know, the best maybe try doing a foam build see how you go with that you know change it up don't stop because you've lost you know keep going there's always different people there's always different conventions <laughs> well and so i'm gonna i'm gonna sneak in a question that i didn't didn't warn you about but it just kind of it occurred to me that it so for people who are kind of thinking like this looks really fun i love these movies or i love these comics or i love anime and they they're kind of wanting to get into it, but maybe they don't have that typical like super fit body type or they're a little bit older. Like, mm -hmm. is that kind of a bar to entry or, you know? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> and I will yell that all the way across the United States. Absolutely not. You do not have to have the abs of Superman to be Superman. You do not have to. And if that's something that you are adamant about, if like, then, then yeah, sure, work for a goal getting the abs of Superman. That's up to you. But not at all age, gender, body type, you know, anything. That does not matter. Anybody can cosplay whatever they want, you know. And that, that to me, is not a parameter. So if you if you are coming and, you know, you may not look like Gal Gadot, but you have an amazing Wonder Woman film phone build, I'm going to judge you on that outfit and how you and how you present yourself in that Wonder Woman and hoping you're having a good time so it's it is a mental state I'm not gonna lie because I cosplay characters that are not my body type and that gets ugh, the internet is mean but that doesn't stop me I'm not gonna make it stop me so that is that sh that should not stop you to be honest to wrap up what you're saying but that's not something I judge against because that's that's very bad <laughs> I would never do that <laughs> Well, and I'm not even thinking of the, the contest so much. It's just somebody who might be like, you know, well, like if I lost 20 pounds, maybe I would make a costume, but you yeah. know. Yeah. And that, and I get that mental, that mental headache because I go through that a lot with my costumes, especially as I'm aging, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not that sharp 25 year old body that I had now and I'm 32, but it's, it's just, it's your tastes also evolve with cosplay. You know, I'm tending to cosplay characters that are a little more covered up, but yet my, my stuff that I'm doing is way more tailored and I am leaning into stuff that's got like uh, a crazy amount of underpinnings. Like I'll do Victorian Edwardian corsets with bum rolls to achieve a silhouette that I can now. So, you know, there's help out there <laughs> if that's what you want, but it, it is, it's tough. I'm not gonna lie to go on to a convention floor dressed as Wonder Woman when you don't look like Gal Gadot. I'm not going to sugarcoat that because people can say whatever they want. And I have had people say whatever they want to me and it's stupid, but that shouldn't hold you back. And going to a convention and just seeing all the different types of people that are there helps you get over that hurdle as well. Well, and yeah, I think, I think what made me kind of ask that is that when you mentioned your Dr. Strange costume earlier, I'd kind of forgotten mm -hmm. about that one a little bit, but it's a really, really striking costume in that when you're in that costume, it looks exactly right. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's funny because it's just, it's a completely different gender and it's something yeah. like 
very outside it's an outlier in terms of what you picked and so I was like I wonder if there was like can I do that should I do that or you know yeah you definitely can gender bending is a whole aspect of cosplay that you can do and I don't like to call it gender bending right now because I feel like the word gender especially has got a lot of connotations to it it's more mm -hmm. or less just like it's it's character bending and so like I'm still Doctor Strange when I cosplay Doctor Strange I'm not Stephanie Strange, and I get that online all the time, and I always reply back, who's Stephanie Strange? That's not a person. I'm Dr. Strange. Does that bother you? <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> it does, and people really have a hard time with that, but that's just, that's their own jam, and I don't care. Dr. Strange is one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe. I'm going to cosplay him, even if I have to wear my hair differently, and I'm shaped differently, but still, I can make that costume work for me. Yeah. Well, and it's it's one of those. So if again, I'm going to point people to your website because <laughs> if you know one thing that's really to me that's really fascinated about cosplayers and especially like really successful cosplayers is you're a chameleon. Like yeah. every costume looks very different, and I never know from one cosplay or video to the next, like what you're going to look like. Like if I uh -huh. I've seen you like dozens and dozens of times, but if I saw you in the street, I might have to like. <laughs> I might not oh, know who you are. <laughs> you have no idea how big of a problem that is at conventions. <laughs> when I am, like, some of my best friends are in the cosplay community, but we only see each other in costume. And then when I don't see them without their wigs and makeup on, I'm like, is that you? Hey, what's up? Are you, <laughs> you know, I, I do, like, a little, like, side side look, making sure that's them, and be like, okay, I think that's them. <laughs> but fun, fun story about that, the... The year that I won best in or the regional championship with my Anastasia outfit, that that outfit is very over the top feminine. She is extremely, you know, she's a princess, you know. And so I won with that and it was amazing. Well, the next day I at the convention, which is a Sunday, I didn't feel like wearing an outfit. So I just I didn't wear my cosplay that day. I just wore what like my my street clothes. And I that day for some reason made the comment that I looked like uh <laughs> the kids from Wayne's World like I had a hat backwards I had a flannel around my neck or like my waist and a big baggy shirt and jeans and so I wanted to go up and thank the judges who were on the on the show floor um, for the win and so I walked up to one of the judges whom I've never met before until that judging before and I was like I just want to thank you for you know uh, giving me the win um I was Anastasia and she was like I would have never picked you out of a crowd because you look so different <laughs> now and she was like it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing but it was just like I dressed in this grunge outfit and I was like oh yeah I was that princess on stage and I was and they had to do a double take they're like what <laughs> it's funny that is it's not surprising though I have to say um and so like <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit kind of about the cons, but in a different mm -hmm. way, because at the moment, because we're on this season, we're very much acknowledging that we're in the middle of a very, very strange time. Um, oh, so yeah. all those, all those cons are postponed or canceled, but I'd be deeply surprised if the cosplay community was on pause at all. So like what's going on right now? Mm -hmm. We are never on pause. I would say it's it's different for everybody because I've talked with a lot of my friends through Zoom calls and just texting and messaging. A lot of us are not really making costumes right now for whatever reason they want, financial, mental, and that's totally fine. But on the flip side, all of us are like zero to 60 costume making because we have all this time at home and we don't have to go anywhere. And that's what I've been doing. Then. <laughs> It's been a mental struggle because I'm just like, am I doing, am I doing too much? But no, actually, I, I don't feel like I am. So I've ramped up my YouTube channel and I've given myself YouTube video deadlines to make me help finish my costumes instead of just leaving them in sale, mate. And so personally, that's what I've been doing. And a lot of my other friends are doing that too. They're making YouTube channels and creating their content through that way. And we're seeing what they're making through that way besides seeing it on a convention floor. Um, but there are virtual costume contests that are going on. And I'm actually judging one this weekend. <laughs> so those are going on. And so if you want, you can still submit a costume you've been working on over quarantine to that and um, possibly win some cash through that. You know, and I'll, pretty much every convention has had a virtual contest which has been really cool. I've entered a couple and this is the first time I'm judging one, but so that's not stopping, <laughs> but there has just been a large amount of content been pushed online 
or people are just not really doing anything right now and that's totally fine too well yeah that's what i was wondering if the if a lot of the contests were online and you know in some ways that's got to be kind of freeing for some people for whom they've spent all this money on a costume creating it and loving it and and really being proud of it and then on top of that to have to pile on the cost to travel and be in a contest yes. like yes that is a bonus <laughs> that's a bonus i'm not gonna lie for a lot of people with it but as a judge it's good and it's bad because i have the time now to go over your work in progress photos i have the time to look at your sample videos you've sent me versus the five minutes that i would have had with you if we were at a convention but i'm not in person seeing what you have and so you know i can't unless you zoom that camera up really close to your details, which is what we tell people in the submissions to please do, you know, I'm not, I'm still not there. I, I, I still didn't see that, you know, and so there's an aspect of that part that's tough and people can, you know, photo edit crazy. They can remove stuff and video and post. And so, you know, there's, there's that level of aspect. I'm not seeing everything, you know, in real life, but I am, I have the time now to look at your office, <laughs> which is good, which is good, but it, it's, it's cool. I'm glad that conventions are doing this and, and keeping that alive because, and it's also fun to be able to see these showcases that are like on YouTube live or Twitch. And so we can, we can tune in as a contestant and as an audience member to watch these, like they would be happening at a convention. So that's exciting as well. Well, and it's, there are so many things, and this is just my opinion, there are so many things mm -hmm. that I think are being pushed online right now that might not ever come off being online, and yeah, I feel like the cons probably aren't one of those, because the community yeah. aspect, the social aspect is so much a part of it that... Absolutely, yeah. Cons are going to come back. They are. And from from the community, from what I've been seeing, everybody talk because I, I know people who run conventions I also know people who run the costume contest at those conventions like seeing people talk it's probably not going to be for a while at least I've heard next summer they might come back or I've heard mm -hmm. some of them are flat out saying not come back till there's a vaccine which is really disheartening but we just got to go with it. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it, it could be any month. We just don't know. It's like, yeah, we, yeah, we had, we, we did have our first convention canceled for 2021 already. And that one happens in January. And so we we're just like, yeah, we kind of figured that was going to start. It was going to happen to see yeah. a, way of, a way of things, but conventions, I mean, we are packed in these places like sardines and I come back sick usually in general <laughs> from these conventions because of the amount of people so i get it i want people to take their time i don't want to get sick so it just might be for a while yeah i totally agree because i do a lot of I, I don't do a lot but i do conventions as well you know for work mm -hmm. and it's it is the same thing i mean you call it show floor malaise you know because it's yeah it is a thing well and so as some of the listeners may not know you might know who knows there there's a often quite a bit of time between when like you and I first talk about the concept of a book and then when it mm -hmm. publishes. So mm -hmm. when I reached out and I asked you to be on the podcast, I realized, oh my gosh, it's been a while since we've talked. <laughs> it has. Hey. <laughs> well, and so I went and I checked out what you've been up to and like you said it a little bit earlier, but I don't think you emphasized it quite enough. You've been like a video producing maniac. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have my YouTube channel that I've had for a very long time, and I have always posted content to it, but never at this speed. <laughs> I'm doing a video a week, which is crazy. If you look at it, honestly, I'm, I'm crazy, because now I'm thinking about what I have to do in the next couple of weeks. I'm just like, huh? but I, I don't know. That's just what I do. That's how I function. I am a zero to 60 type of gal, but yeah, that's what I'm doing, and that's how I'm creating my costumes is giving myself these video deadlines and then pushing it to YouTube. You've been somebody, and this is one reason why I wanted to talk to you in the first place. When we talked about doing a book that we really wanted one that would introduce cosplay, cosplay sewing to readers, you were somebody I looked at because you've always been really generous about sharing your builds on your blog, what you're doing, yeah. what went into them, how you did them. It wasn't secret, like my, my secret sauce. It's you know, hey, here's how I made it. Isn't this, isn't this fun? Was it just COVID that kind of like nudged you into video or were you heading that way already? Mm -hmm. I've, I've been heading that way already. And actually, if 
if someone were to look in my videos, a lot of my videos I got a lot of views are ones that I've done in the past. And so I've I've always been a tutorial based person. And I just I love doing that because to me, teaching my knowledge that I have is also just as gratifying as making my outfit and me wearing it. Like I love it when someone uses one of my tutorials to make their thing and they get so happy and I'm so happy. It's just like a happy, happy little bit. It's wonderful. But so that, that gives me just as much gratification to make it. And so I started doing tutorials. Oh my heavens, back in maybe 2015, 2014. And they got a lot of good traction and then I just kind of fell out from it and then did as much as I could. And when I could, but to me, that is an aspect of cosplay that I love doing. Some people don't, some people don't like to share what they're, you know, they like to keep their skill set or techniques in. And I'm just like, okay, that's you, whatever. But me, I will be like, come, I will tell you how I did everything and it's free. Take it. (laughs) (laughs) For the listeners, if you haven't already watched any of Amanda's videos, you really need to go pop over to YouTube and check them out. I've done so, I watch them, and it's totally like going down the rabbit hole. When you find yourself going from one to the other, and they may not even relate to one another because you do a really, really wide variety of topics, but Mm -hmm. the thing that I really like about your videos is how, I mean, honest might not be the word, but how honest they are. Like, not that (laughs) other videos are fake, but Mm -hmm. in sharing, like the one I'm thinking about is the Making Katana's Fans. Uh-huh. I watched that one and at least five or six times you're like, oh, well, I did it this way first. And that is not <laughs> the way to do it. You're really yeah. open about what, you know, mistakes that you made and it makes it uh-huh. seem a whole lot more approachable. Yeah, you have to. I have to tell people my mistakes. I don't want you to make the same mistake. <laughs> like I experienced it. It was awful. Let me not help. You. Let me help you not do that. And I, that is one of the aspects of my tutorials that I'm trying to keep it as much like that. Like I love good, clean, polished, perfect things. Don't get me wrong. But I also really want to be like, okay, here, listen, (laughs) this is, this sucks. (laughs) And let me tell you why. And you know, that, that to me also helps you kind of get over if you're having any, you know, um, issues with wanting to do maybe a Captain Marvel build, like me telling you that I suffered through this this took a hot minute. So you kind of know that going in, it's probably going to make you want to make it even more, or at least I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And again, if you haven't watched the videos, do pop over because the one that really, I I couldn't stop watching and it's a really long video in terms of YouTube was your Ashoka makeup video. Oh, wait, the one I just did. (laughs) Yeah. The one that comes complete with all of your con horror stories. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I cannot wait to make a part two because I have so many more, (laughs) but yes, that one should not have been as long as it was, (laughs) but I also figured out something about myself. I cannot talk and do makeup at the same time. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. And I've, I wanted to do that just because it's a fun, I call them my filler videos because body paint to me is, is, is an art that I love, but it's not going to take me months to do. It's an evening, you know? And so if I can show you how to do it and post a tutorial about it, that's a video I can get out quickly versus my bills that take weeks to do. <laughs> I need something in between. But that one just kind of popped in my head because of Ahsoka coming back into the trending um into the trending zeitgeist and I was just like what can I talk about oh let me tell you about all these terrible things that happened to me and people just apparently really loved that so I hope to do it again I think what's really cool about it that one in particular is because I think for people who are veterans and when they're listening to that they maybe really want to see how you do your makeup Mm -hmm. but they're they're nodding their head and going yep I've done that in there (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had a lot of people reach out to me for those. They were like, I totally get that. And I was like, you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, in, um, yeah, but I mean, for I think for people who may be like, they want to do it, but it's intimidating. The idea of putting this on that, and you're, you're going to be on a show floor with people who are really, really good at this. And so yeah, you are backing <laughs> yourself up. I think that those stories that you're sharing, it makes the whole idea a little less daunting. Like, good. They started somewhere. <laughs> like, good. That makes me feel so good because that is one aspect about cosplay that people are very terrified to get into it because they see all of the stuff online or they see it in person at conventions and they're like, that is perfection. 
I can't get to that. And I'm like, you know, I just slap them up the face. I'm like, no, 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 stop. Because that person probably has 10 plus years of metal work in their belt and they can make a transformer that looks like the thing. You know, everyone starts from somewhere and you have to understand that. And from there you grow and you will get to that point if you just keep practicing. You know, no one pops out into cosplay being absolute perfection at first. No, <laughs> everybody has problems. Don't worry. <laughs> That is true. That is true. And the other thing that I saw that was kind of new for you is that you are now trying to be a zero waste costume maker. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is so much harder than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how does that even work? Because you're, you're using huge pattern pieces Mm -hmm. that sometimes, you know, it leaves a lot of extra fabric around the piece that you're cutting out. And so Mm -hmm. How do you make that zero waste? And that has been a very recent 2020 choice of mine. And I I keep all of my scraps, like most fabric people. I mean, we all do. (laughs) It's just the thing that we do. But there are stuff we we just pitch. And I made that conscious decision to be like, I'm not pitching anything. I'm going to keep everything. And I've actually really pushed that into other uses, like in my scrap fabric video, where I talk about, adding, making cabbage, which is a fun term, um, and using it as stuffing for bum rolls or using as stuffing for a pillow, or there are ways to do it. But with cosplay and like, I hate hate saying it with, with quilting, you guys just have cotton, you know, and probably some other things here and there. With cosplay, we have PVC vinyl spandex, you know, we have stuff that is not environmentally safe. It is not, it's not going to, degrade in the ground. And so I really want people to think about how we're using these materials and try to use them again for your stuff until you've completed that whole scrap bin that you have. And so with costuming, and and I also am coming from a very easy point to say that because my foam builder friends, you know, reusing bits of tiny bits of foam is so much harder than for me stuffing something with scrap fabric, you know, and I'm, I'm finding that out as well because I have a foam build that I'm getting ready to do um, coming up. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with all this scrap foam that obviously I really can't use for anything. So I'm just have to keep it, you know. So I don't know what they're doing. And bless them if they decide to be zero waste. But as a seamstress and a person who works mainly in fabric, there are many, many ways you can use your scrap fabric, even if it's not making other garments. And so I'm trying to push that a lot, but it's hard. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> You know, and you, you've done a couple of videos about it and a couple of projects too with it. And do you feel like that decision to kind of try for zero waste, has that nudged you into making something that you might not otherwise have even thought of making? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my Nadja, my most recent cosplay that I've finished is Nadja from What We Do in the Shadows. She's a vampire and she's fabulous. But I had a bunch of fabric that I knew I could use for hers but she never used any of that fabric in the in the show and so I know I wanted to create something and so I was like well perfect I can just use my scrap fabric for that and that outfit I also worked with Shannon Fabrics um, which is an excellent fabric provider and they we collabed on a project so they also sent me some fabric to help me round it out but I didn't have to buy anything for that whole build I had all the fabric here and so that pushed me yeah create Nadja and so I would say my next couple builds, I'm not doing that because they're a little more centered into something that's that's popular at the moment. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely making me look at my scrap fabrics harder and making me try to figure something out to do, which I really like that challenge. And that just, it, it's really fun. But I also realize I collect a lot of really dark fabrics, so that makes a very easy vampire. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And I will say, so that show's been on my to-watch list for a while, oh, but I just had well, I hadn't gotten to it and seeing your costume and how much fun you had with the photo shoot and the video and everything. I'm like, oh, that needs to bump up to the top of the list. <laughs> it is absolutely the best thing that's happened in this year. It is. And it's a show. It's been out for two years, 100%. But you can binge the first two seasons and I think like a whole weekend. And it is just the funniest thing ever. And it's given me such a good laugh. And so I had to create Nadja and do my own spin on that. And so it was a lot of fun. And I'm using extra fabric from, I think, Cersei Lannister and Queen Amidala was her fabric that made up Nadja. So it's fun to have these other characters into another 
character costume. So that it's kind of a it's kind of the ultimate in coping skills, you know, it's <laughs> something that makes you happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously, it does, and I, and I love it. And that show is great. Highly recommend for anybody out there. It's a great show. Excellent. Well, in, in addition to your video tutorials, which, like you said, you've been doing them for quite a while, but I did notice that you're like you know, really churning them out right now. Um, mm -hmm, but you mm -hmm. also have a lot of advice available in your book. Can you tell, like, can you talk a little bit about what people are going to find in there? Because um, it's for a wider audience than I think people would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote this book because I know when we chatted at the beginning when we were talking about the book, and it was definitely, we wanted it from a, a viewpoint of the beginner, and that which I totally get. I can do cosplay 101 tips till the cows come home. However, I want it to be a fabric companion book and a sewing companion book. And so I tell people that this book is literally for, if you're thinking about cosplay and you want to make a costume, perfect, you're here too. If you're not, you know, you don't really understand the difference between linen and cotton, this book's for you too. You know, if you really want to understand how to get into cosplay competitions, this book is also for you. So I, I look at it as like a companion book for something to kind of reference back into, especially the section on fabric, which took me so much time <laughs> to do and figure out and understand, because I didn't know the difference between weaves and knits and stuff at the beginning. But man, to have all that knowledge and to like kind of go down the aisles of fabric stores and just touch fabric and just know that, oh, that'll work, no, that won't. Like that's, that's a superpower, man. I love it. I love having that knowledge. With great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. <laughs> It's so true because everyone, I think everyone, no matter what you do, if you're a quilter, if you're a sewer, if you're a general craft or whatever, you've picked something up thinking it's going to work and it doesn't work. Oh, you know? yeah. That's, uh -huh. mm -hmm. <laughs> well, in early on, you know, referencing back to early on in our conversations, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm not going to get this quote right because it really was like two years ago, which is crazy to think of. I, it's um, so crazy to think about that. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, in you know, you were totally on board with the, I want to let somebody who's new to this have an mm -hmm. entry into this as, as something that's really fun. And it's a great hobby. It's something I want everybody to have a chance to do. Yeah. But you also said that you felt it was really important that there was an emphasis on sewing. Yeah. That that was critical because you can have the best makeup and props, but if your outfit mm -hmm. didn't fit and it's falling off, that nothing's mm -hmm. gonna be right. Um, Absolutely, yeah, that that is 100%. And the cosplay books and everything that's out right now, it's very foam heavy or it's very makeup heavy. There's not a lot of sewing. There's like maybe one or two. And I really wanted that to come from that perspective. And also that's that's a lot what I know. So I was like, I don't, I can talk about foam, but I'm not passionate about foam. So I want to talk to you about fabric and sewing. And I feel like that is the foundation of all cosplays. Even if you don't think so, you're not going to go butt naked. Well, I don't know. There are some builds now that I'm thinking about it. You can be butt naked and have foam wrapped around you, <laughs> but you're probably going to have some kind of sewing aspect in the cosplay. So I feel like this is your ground zero. You need to start at at least. Yeah, it's, um, I, this is like not a pun, but it's a horrible thing anyway, but it's the foundation garment to cosplay. <laughs> it really freaking is. And people don't get that. I've met so many, so many people and who are now really good friends of mine and are just the most scared of a sewing machine. They are terrified. They will glue things all day long, but if they have to touch a needle and thread, it is like, it's, it's carbonite to them. They just can't, they can't do it. And I'm like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Here's my book to tell you how. Exactly. Yeah. I, it's the book I wish I had when I did several of the kids' Halloween costumes from scratch when they come out with a character that there's no pattern for. No, 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 no. And and we're very lucky now because companies, especially big companies, are starting to understand, oh, I can have Halloween costumes out all year. Oh, we can make we can make patterns for Elsa in February and it's fine. You know, that is probably what's wanted and that will sell. And so it's really nice to have that large amount of resources now versus like when I first started, man, I, I think I made my Princess Leia outfit. So the one from New Hope, her classic, you know, cinnamon bun hair, that's from a Mary costume from oh one of those nativity scene plays I think that's what her, her outfit the the pattern that I used it for I was like well that's an interesting 
pattern <laughs> choice, but hey, it worked and I needed something with a hood. So Mary had a hood in the nativity scene. So boom, here we are. <laughs> She's Leia. So, <laughs> Well, and I think that's, that's something that's a, about the book that I think is kind of interesting. And it was, again, something at the very beginning that you wanted to make sure that was included and remained included through the whole thing was that how to kind of come out and source a pattern. And mm -hmm. I think the term you used was Frankenstein things together. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that I, I will tell people right off that that's something you can do. But if you don't, if you've never sewn a garment together, understanding what an armhole looks like is not going to register if you're going shopping for different sleeve patterns, you know? So it's something that is definitely, once you kind of have that under your belt, look into that. You can get a base princess gown and honestly make every one of the Disney princesses from one pattern, you know, give or take. That's, that's possible. And I wanted to tell people that if you experiment and understand some things, you can, you can possibly do it without having to taking a pattern making course, you know, which is daunting. I come from experience. <laughs> and so Frankensteining patterns is, is good and it should be tried out and it can work. You just got to play with it and willing to experiment. It, it can work. So I'm going to say that I kind of took a sneaky, sneaky peek at the book while it was in production. And my youngest one in a Jurassic World pattern, and I needed to come up with the Owen Grady vest. Oh my, okay. <laughs> I love Completely it. on my own. Yeah, uh -huh. but I used, I used your cobbling together technique and yet yeah, newspaper circulars as a muslin and I, I came up with yep. it. Yeah, perfect. Well, yay, I'm glad I'm glad that worked. <laughs> I wrote it to where you could understand and things things were made. It did. It did. It was pretty funny. But you know, and so that's kind of like the that's the the sewing content is 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 really solid and it's um mm -hmm. super helpful, but yay. The other thing that you felt was important to include, which I thought was really interesting and I wouldn't have guessed before you and I started talking, you wanted to cover things that a beginner might not even know that they needed to ask like what do you expect at a convention what's mm -hmm. convention etiquette how do you travel with yeah. a costume like why are why were those things that you really wanted to include it's because it comes from experience <laughs> <laughs> i've made problems and errors and mistakes i'm here to tell you not to do it but especially with conventions and cosplay and just pop culture in general increasingly getting more attention just in general more people are going to costumes or co are cosplaying and more people are going to conventions and there is an etiquette to it there is a way of the land like you can't just go up to somebody and take a picture in their face you need to ask them you know or vice versa if you're the cosplayer know that you, when you go to a convention in the costume someone's going to want a picture like I don't care what you're dressed as or how good it is. Someone's going to want a picture. And are you okay with that? Like, that's something you have to know. If you're not okay with your picture being taken or you're really shy, you might want to rethink wearing your costumes to a convention. You can totally wear your costumes for photo shoots and other places or whatever, but maybe not to a convention. So in my opinion, like I know that <laughs> and a lot of my friends know that and it's just common knowledge, but a lot of people do not know that. And when they get to a convention, it could be a, you know, a bad taste in their mouth. And I don't want that to happen. I want you to come back and have more fun, you know? So I'm trying to prep you before you're going. So you, just so you know. Well, yeah, I mean, that, it was just, it was an interesting table of contents when I first saw it because there were, <laughs> there were 20 questions on there I didn't know to ask. And that was, it was right. pretty cool. That was interesting. And I, and I knew when you guys reached out to me and you're like, we want a book about cosplay. I was like, oh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much more than let's make a costume. You have no idea. <laughs> no, and it's true. It's true. Like at this point, it, it really is so popular that most people do know at least somebody who, who does this, you know, on the side or as a hobby or is really yeah. passionate about it. You know, and if you may not have done it before, you don't know where to start. Yeah. I think now you do. We do. So what, what's next? What do you have coming up that, that people might want to check out? Besides the book that is casually being released September 25th of this month, <laughs> um, <laughs> September 2020, I, I would love to be like, oh, here's my convention list and all the stuff that I'm doing next year, but nope. So <laughs> I'm going to say that on my YouTube channel, <laughs> I am making costumes still. The, um, the sacred month of October is coming for us, which is just our time to rise from the grave and, and be our most self 
with costumes. And so I'm creating, I haven't announced it yet. Um, I am creating four different videos that are surrounding, I'm not sure, I guess I, you know, this, this podcast will probably come out after it. So I can just go ahead and say it's no big deal, but I am creating four videos uh, that are around the movie, The Mummy. And mm. so there's costume tutorials, there's prop tutorials, and I'm even doing um, film commentary. And so there's just a whole lot of just fun around one movie. I'm trying it out. We'll see if it works. But uh, that's that's what I'm doing coming up. And then I have some other film costumes that I'm going to be recreating down the line as well. But really, that's that's about it, because I have to keep my schedule open for conventions, maybe next year for you know, doing stuff to promote the book maybe next year. But as far as like costumes that I'm making, the other big problem is that no movies are coming out, you know, no TV shows are really popping. So I had literally on my list for this year to create the outfit from WandaVision that, that Scarlet Witch is probably going to wear or something like that, or, or create something from the Doctor Strange concept art that might premiere or if there's any other Star Wars stuff. Luckily, the Mandalorian's coming out. So maybe I'll get some stuff from there I don't I don't know but like I said I'm a I'm a hype I'm a hype cosplayer so I do the things that drop when they drop and so right now it's just been a desert so I'm pulling (laughs) stuff from nostalgia that I've always wanted to do and so I have that and then I also am going to be making a costume from the movie Titanic so Miss Miss Rose's outfit her her boarding gown it's the white the white striped one with the gigantic hat so gotcha. I have plans for that as well. So <laughs> it's interesting with no with no new costumes that I like that are out. I'm just digging into my bucket of what have I always wanted to make right now. So that's where I'm at. Well, that's going to be kind of fun because, you know, sometimes those are the ones you would never get to do, but now yes. you've got that pause to go do it. It is. They are both of those costumes, especially Evie from the Mummy and Rose from Titanic have always been in my list but they've just been pushed away because of newer stuff that's out that I want to make now because of the hype. Right now they're getting their time to shine. Well, I might have to go back and and pick up Titanic because I'm going to, my guilty confession is it's a movie I've never seen. Um, Well, it came out, I lived abroad for quite a while and it came out in a time when I wouldn't have been able to see it in either country. And so it just, it, it passed me by, by the time mm-hmm. I got back, it was such old news, you know, <laughs> I, I understand that Titanic. I just want to fangirl about the movie Titanic just for a hot minute, but Titanic is like one of the five movies that made me want to costume. And oh. I think it's just, it's because of the grand scale and the fact that I love historical dress and like the Edwardian early 20th century, uh, late 19th century stuff is like, real peak me like peak for me I just love it but the costuming in that movie is so well done that it just makes me drool every time I watch it and I just like the way I show my love is recreation so that movie's it's always been there it's but the only hurdle is is this I've never been 100% comfortable doing historical dress because when you make historical gowns and you post about it online people are mean about it because I didn't do it the historical way and and other things and it's just it's a dumb thing but it's just always been there and it's I'm just like you know what screw that I'm making it anyways (laughs) so if you like that scale and you like that time period have you ever been tempted to cosplay something from Downton Abbey oh yes oh honey yes (laughs) oh yes I tried I made a Mary Crawley outfit in season two but it was definitely a, I have this blouse in my, in my closet and I made this skirt from wool felt and it was gorgeous. And it had that whole silhouette, but it was very season two Mary and I really loved it. So that's the closest I've ever been. I saw the costumes at an exhibit last year down in um, Asheville, North Carolina. And that was amazing. But to be honest, nothing in that show was ever like amazing for me to want to make. Like for some reason, I wasn't drawn to certain things certain ways like I have to really love the character the scene like the just intense emotional moment that that character has in that garment makes me want to do it like the scene at the beginning of Titanic when Rose steps out of that of well you haven't seen it <laughs> here we go <laughs> okay there's a moment when she's everybody not on the else boat. has seen it don't worry <laughs> <laughs> there's a moment when she gets out of the car to board the boat that is this, this crescendo of music and she turns her head and her her hat opens up and you see Rose, the main character of the film, and like the outfit that she's wearing juxtaposed with 
all the other stuff that's happening is making her like glow. It, it's so beautiful. And like, I get goosebumps thinking about it, but <laughs> that to me means signal, signal, Amanda, you need to make this outfit signal. <laughs> so, and I think that was actually the very first question I asked, which is a really nice way to kind of wrap things up. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. What makes you cosplay? If I get chills from watching it, I got a cosplay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, for nobody knows because they don't know kind of how this is this podcast is all put together, but you've got a day job. And so we're actually like hanging out Friday evening and, and chatting yes. about cosplay. <laughs> ah, this is literally what I love to do on a Friday evening. It, it, that's not sarcasm. <laughs> I do love doing this. Yes. Excellent. Well, thank you again. I'm really, um, I'm really excited about your book coming out and, um, and about like going and putting your, you know, putting your videos on my, my must watch list. Cause they're, Yay. they're really fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for speaking about the videos as well. So definitely, definitely that's pretty much all I've been doing right now is making videos and, and writing and making costumes. So that's me. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. Of course, of course. Thanks for having me on. This is Roxanne Serta. Thanks for listening to Behind the Scenes. Want to know more about our outstanding group of authors and their books? Visit us online at CT Publishing on Instagram, Twitter, our CNT Publishing channel on YouTube, or on our website at ctpub.com.